0: It is so much fun to be with Sevilla again today. The last time we saw each other was at Chino at the conference at Quest for a Spiritual Home. And uh, we're just eager to get together and talk about our experiences there. And and Sevilla, I was kind of hoping that you could um, jumpstart this and just talk about what it was like for you. I mean, you had a long way to fly in because you came all the way from D.C., right? Yeah, that's that's right.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. it was a great experience. I mean, let, let me compare it a little bit to, it was a different vibe from Thunder Bay, you know, where things were sort of just getting started. But I certainly noticed, so, you so know. The, for
0: the people who are tuning in who don't know anything oh, about yeah. this, okay? Yeah. So Thunder Bay, Ontario was the location for a previous conference. Yeah, and that was in September. And I think I've got the
1: thing from the bag from that. That's right here. That was called Conscious and Consciousness. And they gave out this bag with the picture. Oh, very give.
0: cool. <laughs> <laughs> so that was actually so so that's uh let's see, that's John Bravake. Here Jonathan Peugeot and yep. then going around Paul
1: play and this is I, I don't remember his name unfortunately, but it was the doctor from the local university uh-huh. who cognitive psychologist, I think. Okay. And so he was fourth, kind of like John Van Donk was the fourth this time.
0: And so it it was um, just part of sort of this little corner getting yeah. together and trying to figure things out the way we've been trying to figure things out online for the last four years. <laughs> and so that was, you know, and, it, and this one was very similar. Catherine um,
1: organized it in pretty much the same way and had the fourth person. So you could have the two split off dialogues and then all four talking together. And it was, uh, you know, that was um, interesting the way they did that, it worked well in both cases, very different in both cases. But what I noticed in Chino is, you know, you certainly had uh, a lot of young men um, coming together looking for, I guess, um, not so much, you know, not so much of the Jordan Peterson thing where, I mean, there's a similarity where, where, you know, they've, they've lost in the world because of the way men are being treated lately. And Jordan Peterson has, you know, given them confidence and tools to get back in the world in a meaningful and proper way. So there was that it, to the extent that the whole spirituality aspect, the whole um, and, and mostly these guys are Christians. So. A lot of young guys coming to Christianity or have been Christian and trying to figure it out, you know, what way they're going to go with it. Are they going to do the church of their youth? Are they going to move on to some other denomination? Are they going to go Orthodox like a lot of these guys are doing? Or did they, you know, did they ditch it and then get back into it? And that was sort of happening in in, in Thunder Bay. I noticed that. But really, I noticed this in China. Where the young men and I guess maybe it's because of the estuary that really brought it front and center is you got, you know, these these up close and personal. Um, expositions of people's quests, you know, which is which is exactly. Um, what the whole Chino. Uh, conference was about was that. Quest. Well, OK,
0: so in Thunder Bay, then are, are you saying that you didn't have the estuary experiences in Thunder Bay?
1: they did it just wasn't emphasized the way it was here where everyone did it you could do it um paul offered it like as a sideline one night but this oh okay it was it was really emphasizing everyone did it and everyone did it every day
0: yeah I was trying to remember it seems to me we had like three sessions the first Mm -hmm. day and then one session the last day well
1: i think we ended up i mean i i think i had to miss one for some reason but but um yeah there were yeah there was something like that so that was the big difference and so you really got to hear what what these guys you know mostly young men were not not exclusively obviously you know we were there (laughs) but um and and actually that's the other demographic i noticed is women our age you know probably that was the second biggest demographic
0: yeah is that what is that why do you think that is i mean there were some young women there there were some some young women there and uh i kind of noticed that among the young women the demographic was that they were either in tech or they were artists yeah yeah that's right that's very true which is i i just it's very interesting (laughs)
1: Well, a lot of what happened this time, this was another big difference, too, is, you know, you got people flying in, but you had so many people that were local in both situations. So you had a lot more Canadians in Thunder Bay, and you had a ton of people from Southern California at this one, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I think the tech and the artistic part might have been that.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And then there were some couples that was kind of surprising, sure. to me yeah. Because I, it seems like what I hear from people, and and that's certainly my own experience too. That that it's usually only one member of a couple that is kind of into this thing, and the other one, yeah. can't figure out <laughs> yeah. Why are you into this thing? What does this all mean, you know? So, yeah. So so starting from the beginning when you got there you said you did you notice right away that there was a different vibe and what was the difference in the vibe well i mean the churches were very very different
1: for one i mean you really like like in thunder bay it's sort of a humble church that sort of just got started um and it was this this kind of one room church that was associated What, what really stood out there was they had this fantastic coffee shop and that's how they did their you know, that's what financed a lot of it, I think. Mm-hmm. They were more focused on, you know, um, reaching out to the uh, Thunder Thunderbase very economically uh, is not very successful economically. And there are a lot of there are a lot of social services around and a lot of people you see around there, you can tell are, are not, you know, are, are kind of down and out. Mm hmm. So that church really served that community, whereas this church, you know, was really it was kind of fancy. And I had never been to anything like that, actually.
0: Well, it was sort of like a campus almost because mm-hmm. they, had, uh, yeah. they had their main building and then they had some other buildings that were for like educational purposes and um, preschool and maybe even. Yeah, Maybe even like a community building or something yeah. like that. It was more like a campus. Yeah, that's right.
1: And that's so that's the big, the, that was an obvious big difference.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, so I mean, I'm very familiar with churches like that because they're kind of all over the place. <laughs> and um, there are fewer, maybe, of the kind of church that you're talking about in Thunder Bay, um, partly because Thunder Bay has its own vibe. Like you said there, yeah, it's more of an uh, economically distressed yeah. area. Very and, so so is the really churches happening. there would naturally be more um, focused on that. Yeah. Although, you know, I'm sure that the church that we were at in Southern California would be pretty similar to the church that I'm at, which is not anything like the size of that Chino campus. But Um, very outward focused, doing Mm -hmm. a lot of community services kind of things. But it's not as obvious because when you look at the church building, it's a little bit more substantial.
1: Yeah, no no doubt. I mean, you know, we even saw that they, you know, have these programs for the poor there and in other countries. So Mm -hmm. I, I thought that that church really does a lot. But it was just like its obvious role of the other church was serving, you know, the community and they'd have dementia patients come in. I think it was. I don't know if it was weekly or or daily. It might have been weekly, and everything sort of um, centered around the free the free lunch that they had in the basement for the community and the coffee shop, which was Mm -hmm. public large. But this was really, you know, I mean, a totally different vibe, church wise. Mm -hmm. And that was my first experience with a church like that. You know, I've been to the Episcopal Church. I've been to the uh, Catholic Church, and because of social work, I've been to the, um, to the urban uh, Baptist churches. But I'd never been to anything like that.
0: Yeah, you well, know, like one of the things town. that I thought was really fun and kind of fascinating was that the, the people of the local people of the church were the ones who did all the serving at mealtime mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. And, took care of keeping all the rooms ready for us and mm-hmm. cleaning up afterwards at the end of the day. And, and uh, that was really interesting to me because mm-hmm. almost every other conference I've been at or or like I've been to some like training programs that go on for weeks at a time. And typically the participants are the ones that, part of the program is that the participants take responsibility for their own care. Yeah. Yeah. serving themselves at meals and cleaning up together afterwards. And that's sort of team building in a way yeah. when you do that. that but here we were, we were free to think and process and talk. We mm-hmm. didn't have to take care of any details. And so yeah. that was pretty nice. Yeah,
1: it was. And um what else is, well, I, I guess what what more about that situation? Well, I mean, I think these, like you really saw the, because this channel that's developed in between maybe before Thunder Bay, but I'm not sure, you know, it's with, with, and you had a couple of, of the guys on your, um, on your, I, I, you've had three of them lately. You had Chad, you had Teo, and then you had a third fellow who I didn't get a chance to see that one.
0: Ted. Ted, that's it. Yeah. And then Justin, maybe Justin. Justin hasn't published it. That's going to publish uh, in a yeah. couple of days.
1: Yeah. But Justin's been getting involved too. So that's great. Yeah. It's a lot more lately. but, but that like that group that sort of, I guess it's the bridges of meaning discord where they came from, but they now they have their own channel where they do something every Friday. Oh, really? It's called the Friday morning nameless.
0: Oh, that's Chad's channel.
1: Oh, is that Chad's channel?
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he's getting more, that's
1: yeah, great. Yeah.
0: He's yeah. doing more stuff.
1: Cool. I, for some reason, I thought Jacob was doing that, but he's Jacob's got his own channel too. So I noticed a lot more of that, you know, vibe there, those guys and the people who went on their channels and, and kind of circulated around those channels.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that really set the tone there, I think.
0: I think Jacob's channel is uh, called Just Chatting, maybe? or
1: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay. Or his last name, Facharachi. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. So what was, how did it feel to you meeting people in person that you had only seen online before?
1: Well, I got, you know, with the with the regular, you know, with, with John and, and Paul and, and Jonathan, um, you know, I'd already been through that. So it was great mm-hmm. to see them again but it was, it was really like meeting Grim Grizz was great.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, that was interesting to see him in person because he's such a, you know, he's got such a, um, uh, he's a strong presence.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. He's definitely a strong presence, strong personality um, and um, kind of a, a center people center people people gather around him so he's got he's got a kind of a natural leadership Mm -hmm. i think he
1: absolutely does and you know just being so brilliant and um and also that that whole the way he characterized himself as the you know the the uh, wise fool of the corner i think is You know, and and, and symbolically, I think that that is that is his role. You know, the person who who points out all the undercurrents in what's going on.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I you you taught a class. Well, oh, Jacob did that.
1: <laughs> that was really great. He he just kind of made it happen, you know, out of the blue. There was a old, very old uh, psychiatrist who is a member of that church, and he's in his nineties, and he's a friend of John Van dongs So Jacob, and there was a, you know several mental health individ, um, practitioners there. Uh, probably there could have been more involved because you know we there was a couple of VA psycho- psychiatrists and a couple other therapists, but he just did it ad hoc. He knew that I was a therapist, so he just got us together on stage, you know, for like um, Ken Lowry, sort of as a facilitator, and then me and the psychiatrist whose name eludes me, and then John Bondock. And so we just sort of talked about um, our roles as practitioners and what mental health, you you know what what the practice of how how the how the concept of maintaining practicing and maintaining good mental health is in a relation to also the spiritual quest because it is part of it.
0: Hmm. Well, so what kind of things did you talk about in there? Because I didn't get to see that. I was in the I was in the main hall when that. Well,
1: happened. well, um, Paul posted it. I can send you a link. It was short. It was only maybe half an hour. And um, basically the psychiatrist and, I, uh, psychiatrist and I talked about our practice experiences His was, you know, he, he's 90. So he obviously was a psychoanalyst because all therapists were psychoanalysts up to some point in the 20th century. That's, that's how it's done. And mostly it was psychiatrists who were psychoanalysts.
0: Well, so that's an interesting question for me. What is the difference now then between a therapist and a psychoanalyst?
1: Well, psychoanalysts in the past, you know, you'd go there four or five days a week and you just kind of free associate and every now and then someone, you know, the psychiatrist will interject or, or notice something about what you're talking about and draw your attention to something you probably haven't noticed before. And, you know, days and days and days of this. And often over the course of years, that's how it was practiced back in the, you know, sometimes you see these movies in the 70s, like Woody Allen, and they're going to their analyst Uh so that was but psychotherapy you know started switching um at at some point in the 20th century to you know all the forms we see nowadays and that was just that's just once a week for the most part so that's
0: and the the forms we see nowadays would be like uh well you have cognitive behavioral therapy and dialectical behavioral therapy and emdr and Mm -hmm. and all of these various things so do you practice a particular vein of that or is it like you target it towards your client or how does that work?
1: Well, I, my postgraduate, uh, not after graduate school, I did another t- two-year long program in something called psychodynamic psychotherapy, which is, it, it's, it's a modern form of psychoanalysis to some degree. It, it, it draws from those concepts in that school. But, you know, I, I, I know some basic CBT concepts. I mean, every therapist does because mm-hmm. some of that stuff is a really good tool. And so most of us do something else. They, we do other interventions and then people will practice, you know, they'll go get a certificate and, and interventions sort of layer them onto what they, what they do. And nowadays people don't, you know, people seem to want, because of TikTok and stuff, People seem to want things like EMDR or um, things that are seem to be short term and effective in a short term,
0: like like rapid response therapy RRT. Is that correct? Is that the right? Um,
1: I've never heard that particular. Um,
0: well, there's some there's some sort of new thing where sometimes they can get the result within one or two sessions. And then you're done.
1: Yeah, I would, I would find that hard to
0: go through. <laughs> well, I mean, I've, talked to people who, I've talked to some people who have gone through it and they said that it was is. completely remarkable. Right. Because something, um, it's probably a, a compression of the psychoanalytical thing where the person is talking and somehow the therapist is able to Get them targeted in on whatever the significant yeah. thing was in their life that created this problem and then okay. kind of open that up. And um yeah, I mean, I, I've heard a couple of really remarkable stories from people.
1: What did you hear? Can you share one of those stories?
0: Um Yeah, not without revealing too much about the person. Yeah, can't can't do that. But well, but of course, they had they'd gone through many other different kinds of therapies, which could have had their impact. Sure. So, I mean, yeah. Right. So they they might have been well prepared for this because maybe all the other therapies kind of helped them zone in on what the main problem was. So so maybe that allowed this uh-huh. rapid response therapist person to get at the main problem more yeah. Um, I don't know what would happen if you just came in. Like, I mean, I remember the first time I ever talked to a therapist, I went in there and I was just like, I don't even know where to start. It's such a tangle. It's just all wound up like a big ball of spaghetti. And she just said, just start anywhere. That's my job. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. And and that was very like, just put yeah. me at ease, like, you know, like there's this, there's this one snake, but it's tied in with all these other snakes and, right. you know, because life is complicated. But, um, but maybe most people after they've lived with this pile of snakes for 40 years, they can kind of figure out what the central snake is. Yeah. And then you can talk to a therapist about that. And if they can, help you unlock how that first thing got started yeah. in you it, it can make a lot of sense out of things so. oh yeah
1: no that does make sense and that's a lot of what psychodynamic is about is <laughs> getting to the root of the early patterns that are dragging mm-hmm. you down so i mean i yeah if someone can if you can if someone can find the key you know the, the main like you said the main snake that would be useful in a couple of sessions sure
0: yeah well, I remember you saying once that part of your work is to help people uh, develop a, a coherent worldview for themselves, yeah. right? Yeah. Could you talk yeah. about that
1: a little bit? Well, I think that is what I talked about in the, um, in, the, in the little panel that we had, is like people cannot differentiate from what they have absorbed from other people, narratives that they've absorbed from other people, and what society tells them and what they actually believe and feel and think. So it's getting a sense of who someone really is without all the, you know, the contaminating messages, let's say, Mm -hmm. and allowing someone, you know, allowing people to, like people allowing themselves to have the freedom of their true selves versus being trapped by old narratives that other people have put on them often parents and that um that those narratives seem dangerous to drop until you realize you can drop them
0: Mm -hmm. well because you have to have some you have to have some frame right so so maybe it is dangerous to drop a frame until you've worked out what your new frame is
1: yeah no i think that's right and move in the direction of your spontaneous expression versus you know, what's been stifled or waylaid mm-hmm. redirected by your upbringing
0: mm-hmm.
1: or even later things that happen.
0: Yeah. I mean, that really makes sense to me because I, I like almost everybody else. I grew up in a dysfunctional home <laughs> and uh, maybe not like everybody else. I was just, a fog mm-hmm. really until i was probably 30 years old i mean i was still i was still doing things living life and probably people watching from the outside thought oh that's a perfectly normal person i mean maybe they didn't I don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> but but in inside my own head i had no idea really who i was or you know i just sort of fell into things and then i would do it whatever it was i fell into and uh um yeah, and so coming out of that fog and trying to figure out who you are is just yes. it's um it's really it's very complicated.
1: It is complicated. Yeah. And especially if you've got so many unconscious um patterns that seem to be reality that you have not yet discerned aren't really you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I I mean, I don't know. Does a does a person ever get completely out of that? Every once in a while I still have thoughts like, you know, am I am I still living in a delusion? You know, a fantasy world. I, because most of the time I have this very coherent worldview. And, and one of the things I do recognize about myself is that and I didn't come to this recognition until probably ten years ago. So it's pretty scary. I'm 65 years old when this aha comes to me. <laughs> Wait a minute! I'm not living according to the values that I say that I have. <laughs> yeah, right. That's like a that's like a terrifying. Like I'm talking about these. I'm talking about my worldview and my values and everything. And I don't live those values, really. And uh, so coming to that recognition was a huge aha for me and i still you know there's are still areas of my values that i'm not living out and and that's uh, and then i sometimes wonder is that a normal experience can can everybody can are there people who can 100% live out their values
1: well i think you'd have to be some kind of ascetic to do that
0: oh okay you
1: know? I, because i think that you know maybe what you're talking about also is as you as you develop spiritually since that's a big part of your life, the, you, you know, what you, these values take on more, you, you have a fuller understanding of what it means. So yeah, may, well
0: that's true. That's
1: really you true. thinking You're living up to your values, but, but your understanding of these values change. So maybe you are living up to these values at one point, then the, the, the what these values mean changes change as you develop spiritually deeper and deeper deeper, deeper and deeper, deeper, and deeper. Yeah. so that requires you to you know reevaluate your behavior
0: yeah to
1: work, you know but that awakening is really awakening to a new self versus that you were bad in the past and now you're you know it, yeah
0: so. i mean that's exactly the same as the experience of of developing as an artist it's exactly the same trajectory yeah, totally because totally. you you have a vision of what you want to accomplish <clears throat> And you go after it and then you're done. And it's like, that did not live up to my vision at all. <laughs> well, you know, what do I need in order to live up to that vision? Well, I need to develop this skill, this skill, this yeah. skill, this skill. So then I go out right. and I develop those skills and then I try again. Only now my vision has gone a little further on. Now I try that vision and whoops. I'm not there yet. <laughs> so I have to go develop this skill and this skill and this, you know, and uh, yeah, it's exactly the same. That's mm-hmm. exactly the same paradigm. Thank you. That clears things up. See, you fixed me. <laughs> rapid, what is a rapid, rapid response? response therapy. <laughs> maybe, no, maybe it's rapid resolution. There. I'll have to that look makes that more up. sense.
1: Yeah, I'll have to look that up.
0: It's RRT anyway. Okay.
1: All right. Yeah. Definitely. I'll see. I
0: mean, maybe that's
1: something I can get out of traffic And
0: time. and I had a conversation with oh gosh, who is that? Bruce Ecker, who does something called um coherence therapy. And um I think that verges on this RRT thing yeah. a little bit. <clears throat> So um, that was a very interesting conversation with him. Some of some of my viewers had pointed him out to me.
1: When did you do that? one?
0: Maybe two months ago. Oh, Bruce Ecker. Some kind of coherent. I can't remember the first word, but it's coherence therapy. And it's something he actually developed. Oh, sure. And he's, you know, he's written the book about it and he's got a whole organization and everything.
1: Well, that, that is the, you know, that is the that a lot of people develop, develop modalities.
0: So that's what they mean when they say modality. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And there, you know, there's many of them all over the place now and, um, and some of them are great. So mm-hmm.
0: when you heard Jordan Peterson talking about what he did when he was a clinical, when he was a clinician. Uh-huh. How would you characterize his approach?
1: Well, I think he was trained in psychoanalysts, uh, psychoanalysis. He has an interest in Jung, and I think that he, uh-huh. he pursued that on his own. But he also does CBT. I mean, like at the basis of a lot of the stuff he talks about is exposure therapy.
0: Mm-hmm. Is, that the, is that the root of CBT is exposure therapy?
1: That's an, that's an element. That's something that would fall under that umbrella.
0: And exposure therapy is when you determine what it is that you're afraid of, and then you you move time little yeah. bits towards it in order that's to right. develop your courage.
1: Yeah, with a voluntary approach. I mean, you have to want to do it.
0: Because mm-hmm.
1: yeah. if you you know your therapist makes you do it, then that can make it worse.
0: Yeah. Well, and I mean that's I mean that's probably where. So many of the problems start with parenting because parent doesn't understand how important the voluntary side is in any sort of learning. I mean, you, you yeah. think you're helping by, by, you know, promoting or pushing certain things, but really without the voluntary aspect, and then there's no, there's no freedom there. There's no learning. So no, yeah. then,
1: you're, then the kids just doing it to please their parents
0: yeah yeah oh
1: the other thing about jordan peterson i forgot and i mentioned this during the <clears> panel <throat> one person and one one thing that made me really relate to him is i was uh is carl rogers Do mm-hmm. you, are you familiar with his approach
0: well i only from what i've heard from jordan peterson unconditional positive regard yeah.
1: and, and that in and that's that's like um mirroring back to <clears throat> it's like um you as they speak you you repeat back to them in a way what they're saying to the point that they that you are saying back to them exactly what they they are trying to convey to you and that might you know that takes some adjusting because you can think that you think that you know what they're saying but when you when you summarize it back to them it may be totally wrong. So the therapy in Carl Rogers is getting that right you know, getting like, and helping them on, you know, and, and by doing this, helping them develop into someone who um, feels, thinks and act in the same way that it, that it lines up in congruence, you know? Yeah. I
0: mean, I can totally get that. I mean, okay. So pop culture, like marriage stuff, which I've Uh gone through some, we've gone through some in the past, they call that a they typify that as a drive-through communication. Mm-hmm. So like you're going to McDonald's and you say, I want, I want a burger, <clears throat> no pickles. And, uh, and then I want a protein burger, lettuce wrapped. And then I want a soda and a coffee black. No, no, make that with cream. And then they come back and they say, you want, a, you want a protein wrap with no pickles? No, I want a, I want a regular burger with no pickles and a protein wrap with, you know, so, so you get that right then. Right. So they call Uh that drive-through communication.
1: (laughs) Well, it makes sense. I think Yeah.
0: yeah. So, um, but one of the other things that I noticed is that a lot of times I don't really know what, I don't really know how to process what it is. I believe until I've talked it through with somebody. So there's Uh something about language that actually builds structure at the same time that so so if you're talking with a therapist and they're getting you to say over and over again what it is you really believe, sometimes I hear myself saying it and I think yeah, I'm saying this, but that's not really what I believe, right? Then I'll adjust as I go along.
1: Yeah. And remember. until
0: I can get to what it is that I actually believe. And then by that time they can also meet up with my mountain and then we're on the same page. Right. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, is that kind of the thing that you're talking about with Carl Rogers?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's certainly uh, another way of, of, yeah. I mean, like, like you were talking about the congruence, you're helping them <clears throat> um know themselves like their beliefs and like mm-hmm. you're saying in the process of doing this therapy where the, th- where the therapist is trying to understand what you're saying. is trying to really get you. You are also trying to get yourself because you're trying to convey your true self to the therapist. Yeah. And, and then that, you know, attempt to convey yourself, you're adjusting, like you said, until you get what feels right. And then when everything is congruent, that's, that's where, that's where, that's where they're trying to get to. That's
0: mm-hmm. where-
1: type of therapy is trying to get to. And you do it with the, you know, within the safe space of of unconditioned positive regard. You're not trying to, you know, you're trying to let the person just be who they are. Because a lot of times kids, you know, when they're little kids, they're not allowed to be angry and they're not allowed to be who they really are because it's inconvenient to the parent.
0: Well it, that's part of it is inconvenient. And especially if you have to get somewhere, <laughs> especially if it's something that the kid has to get to because of some, well, but not know, really if they that. don't get there. They're not going to end up <laughs> at Yale or whatever. Right.
1: Well, no. And I mean, some of that stuff, not, not so much the logistical stuff or, you know, how to behave in society in some kind of way. So you're not just running around as like a hellion, which some kids are, but, okay. but like, you know, that your anger isn't, isn't valid. You don't, you shouldn't be angry about this. You shouldn't be
0: upset about that yeah
1: yeah just suppress these emotions because they're not convenient to me because i I don't want to see them
0: oh yeah i mean that i mean that kind of that kind of thing i i i can totally see that i can see that back in my own parenting Mm -hmm. but um because there again i mean it's like when jordan peterson talks about cleaning your room uh-huh. There's this pile of papers over in the corner that you haven't gone through and put away. Oh, yeah, it no. because it's a pile of snakes. Yeah, <laughs> And so there are just things that are inconvenient to look at at the moment that cause people to make, well, I mean, for, I'll speak for myself, that can cause me to make decisions in the moment that are damaging, not only to myself, but to other people and yeah and then you look back on it later and you're like I just can't believe I did that you know but but that's also part of the problem w- why am i saying i can't believe i did that that if if i wasn't um if i wasn't capable of if that wasn't a um if i was capable of never doing anything like that then i would be perfect right and I'm not perfect, obviously. So, so obviously I've done all kinds of things that, um, not only have not exposed my own snakes, but have created snakes for other people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: and, um, you know, I, I, am laughing about it, but it isn't really a funny thing. It's really in many ways, very tragic. And, uh, It's one of the things we deal with. But I mean, that that was one of the things that really spoke to me at Chino is how in the estuary groups, it always felt as though we were all coming at it with unconditioned, positive regard and really trying to understand each other.
1: Yeah, so so what is your um, so that's that's I totally agree. And, and we were in the same Chino group, so we've got, you know, I, I know what your, you know, your experiences, or at least I know what it was like to be in the room with you and these people at the same time, mm-hmm. so we've got cross-reference, but I'm interested, um, what, what is your, what's your impression of Chino? Well, like I was what,
0: telling Tayo the other day that, that my big takeaway was how lovely it was to I guess what it is is that we all have the same foundation because we've all been following the same thread
1: yeah. for
0: a year or two years or four years however long we've been however long we've been working on whatever it is that we're doing in this little corner <laughs> so we all have the same foundation mm-hmm. it's not that it would be impossible for a new person coming in cuz a new person could come in and like even talking to Tayo, he, he only got into this a couple of years ago and he caught up pretty fast because he was willing to listen to three or four hundred hours of, of video. Right. But um, when you all have the same foundation then when you come together, you have a certain place where you can start and then mm-hmm. you can treat each other as if we're all more or less on enough of the same page that we have a place to start in our conversation.
1: Yeah,
0: that's really true. And uh, and then the other thing is this assumption of trust that that we're just assuming you trust me and I can trust you and we can speak openly because of that. Yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, I've thought a lot about trust, and for me, and I don't know how this works for everybody else, but for me, one of the reasons that I can trust. Is because I'm not trusting so much the other person as I am trusting God or, or as Jordan Peterson say, I'm trusting that being is good, fundamentally good. So I can, I can be open, I can be honest about who I am without fearing utter destruction, because I believe God is good. And if he's calling me to be honest, he's gonna, he's gonna work things out. Maybe not always. With a good consequence, maybe there's going to be some terrible consequence that comes out of it, but there will be a purpose even in that. And uh, so that is what allows the trust. Now, I don't know what that is for other people.
1: But it did seem like the, the trust you're talking about, you know, and, and the higher purpose that we were all that was guiding us really, it it really, it, it seemed to resonate there. I mean, that's not very unusual to be in a situation like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know where people aren't, where there just, just isn't any negativity really. I mean, if there's negativity, it's about people saying, "I had this painful experience." Mm-hmm. But there's nothing like complaining about. You know, you go to conferences that aren't like this, that are for some other things, some commercial venture, some professional venture, and people will be complaining and they'll be talking about other people and they'll and they'll be talking about the leadership and there'll be all sorts of things like that. Mm-hmm. And there was none of that there.
0: Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. Doesn't <laughs> it lovely? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> when can we do it again? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you didn't see
1: people on their phones nonstop. I mean, they using their phones to look things up or. You know, or show your share videos or take photos, but you didn't. You just didn't see what you see in the everyday world. You know.
0: (laughs) Well, and there were many people who had made a commitment to completely get off of social media so that they would have more time to do their life. Yeah, because once they've come to a place where they feel like they have responsibilities in life and they want to carry out those responsibilities. um, I mean, I just met some lovely people. There was one guy I met I hope I get a chance to talk to, but but he's very busy, obviously, because he has a very responsible life. Mm -hmm. But he and his wife um, were. At one time, missionaries, well, missionaries are loose word. I'm not exactly sure what their category would have been, but they were working with abused women in Nepal. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Right. And. And and then he he really believed that part of what they should be doing is building a family by adopting children who are um, maybe in the social work system or something where th- where they they desperately need a family. and so they specifically moved to Canada so that they could adopt um, abandoned children. It's very it's it's easier to adopt children i guess in canada or maybe maybe canada provides some financial incentive for adoption not incentive but makes it less expensive like in yeah, the in yeah. the states adopting a child can cost way more than having a sure, baby yeah. in the hospital so
1: they subsidize the adoption of- canada
0: subsidizes to some extent the adoption and so they've already adopted four children they were working on number five and and they um uh, they they do little videos once in a while when they get a new child and then it just shows the family. And I mean, it it's just lovely. And part, what was so cool was because they're very, very busy with all these children and with their work and everything. So they split their, their work. He does, um, he does window washing as a job so that he can work in the summer and the fall or maybe it's the, yeah, the summer and the fall. And then she has a different kind of business that she can do in the winter and the spring.
1: Oh, I see. Yeah. So,
0: so they can take turns parenting six yeah. months at a time so while the other one is there. earning yeah. the money for them. Yeah. And I thought this is such a creative way to build a life. Right. Oh, yeah. And uh, so that they can serve in the way that they feel they're called to serve. But then that makes you very busy. So you don't have time for social media right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you're, you're actually trying to help raise up people to to be new people in our world yeah. that are loved and cared for. And um, yeah, I met lots of lovely people like that. And
1: yeah, I remember him. I don't remember his name, but I was really impressed by
0: that. Yeah. And and I, you know, I met I, I heard many other stories, and it's just so great to meet people who and in many cases it now in their case it wasn't i don't think but in many cases i met people who had been moved by jordan peterson or by john verbakey or by paul Vanderclay to make a difference in their life and to um come to a place of responsibility and, and it's just very encouraging to see that there is a way that the world can change because we're attacked relentlessly by the negativity in the media
1: isn't it unbelievable
0: Yeah. Where you just feel like the world is, how can this ever, it's so hopeless, how can this ever change? That's the message that they're giving us all the time. (laughs) At Chino, you see all these people who are making a life and uh, confronting voluntarily the snakes in their life and um, confronting voluntarily their fears and working in whatever way they personally can to improve their own life and improve the lives of their family members and then moving outward, you know, it's the whole Mm -hmm. picture. Um, You start at ground zero and work on that. uh, I'm still looking at this pile of snakes in my office. (laughs) It's so easy to find excuses and say, well, you know, because I'm busy, I don't have pile yeah. to pile that pile of snakes. But really, it's just a pile of snakes. Yep.
1: Yeah, that's like um one of the biggest problems most people have is getting that motivation to do these things we should do to clean up our room.
0: Well, I mean, I just have to be honest here. <laughs>
1: I'm not even going to show you mine. <laughs> uh, that snake, snake's light. <laughs>
0: that was only half of it. Here's the other half.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's some snakes everywhere. There's, there's an undercurrent of organization. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, it's. Well, one of the other things I've noticed happening recently, and this this gives me real hope, and I don't know, I have no idea if this goes back to Jordan Peterson or if there's just a current in the air now that things are possible. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the guys I love listening to online is a, a guy by the name of John Ortberg. He's written many books. Mm-hmm he has a YouTube channel now called become new mm-hmm. and he just, every day he does a 10 or 15 minute thing. And uh, sometimes he might go through a book. Like he went through a book by Dallas Willard and talked about it little by little every day. Uh-huh. Right now he's going through the book of Genesis. <clears throat> mm, interesting. And his message just a couple of days ago was this idea of the snake. Mm-hmm and you know what does the snake represent you know was it really a a talking serpent you know or does it represent this larger entity that we can allow to control our lives and what is the snake that you're allowing to control you today (laughs) you (laughs) got right at it and it's um, Obviously, Jordan Peterson wasn't the first one to talk about that. You can go oh, okay. back to the church fathers who have been talking about Absolutely. that. But, but it, but for me, it's something new to hear people in the church using this symbolic language mm-hmm. and using it in a way, not. Um, I, I mean. I've heard this before when when pastors are trying to bring up an application from a passage. Mm-hmm. It was just different in the way he approached it. It just yeah. felt much more like what we talk about in our sure. Yeah, more, and, more and, the, the approach, right? And or, then or, the or. message at church on Sunday was one of the young pastors, and he was talking about Noah's Ark. Mm-hmm. And the way he taught that was... I would say pretty close to what Jordan Peterson was doing when he talked about Noah's Ark. And so, I mean, he was still coming at it from a biblical perspective, um, not a psychological perspective, but, but he used a lot of the same kind of symbolic ideas. And and so to hear that coming from the pulpit, Mm -hmm was just very encouraging to think, yeah. yeah, so people are trying to find another way to reach this generation. Yeah. that's not watering it down and making right. it um, something easy to absorb, but that's making you dig a little bit deeper. yeah, was very encouraging. It was quite a message
1: because you can um because you have to sort of have you you can't have something so abstract or something so um something you can't really get a hold of and I think that you know for me I think that you know how Jonathan Peja says yes these stories are real but they're real in a meta kind of way you know and and I think that like you're not gonna like It's not exactly about going and seeing, you know, going back in a time capsule and revisiting these stories and seeing it happen just as it plays out in the Bible. This is something much deeper than that. And I think that if people can see the difference, you know, I think that's what puts people off is the scientific, like this is what Jonathan says, the scientific interpretation of the Bible, like a lot of the fundamentalist interpretation has a tendency to be a science lens. You know, this actually happened. And if you don't, like the ultimate truth is scientific. And if you don't agree with the ultimate scientific truth, then that's, that's heretical.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And there's something really like um, heretical in itself by looking at it through a scientific
0: lens. Well, that has to be, <clears throat> because if you go back and... <clears throat> I have not read that much of the church fathers, but once in a while, I go back and, I, and I'm i doing some research and I'll look at something. And someone had asked me a question about this Noah's Ark message that I, I wanted to pursue a little bit, which I thought was a very good question. So I went searching and um, I ran into a message that Bishop Barron had done about origins, I was going to
1: mention
0: origins opinion of mm-hmm. Noah's Ark. And or when you when you read Baron's message about Origins perspective, it reads almost exactly like Jordan Peterson's perspective. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. this is going back into the very early beginnings That's of so the church. Yeah. Right? Right. So, and I mean, I mean Jordan Peterson's perspective on Noah's Ark is not that it happens, it's what always happens. Because what always happens is that when people stop focusing on God and stop looking upward and trying to build their society around this, this upward you know, gratitude and humility, they fall into chaos and they're consumed by the flood. And it yep. happens every time. And like sure. Jordan Peterson was teaching, he talked about. Soviet Union, he talked about Nazi Germany, he talked about Mao's China, that when it came to a place where the people were no longer courageous enough to speak the truth or to stand for truth, the whole society collapses and they are subsumed by the flood. Yeah. And um, it's not that the flood comes as a punishment, the flood comes as an inevitable consequence Mm -hmm. of the behavior and that's true even in the little floods in our lives. That's right. Yeah. Right. So, you know, one of the things I struggle with is is trying to maintain a healthy weight because food is a convenient fix for things just like anything else. And uh, so God's not punishing me with not being able to go out and buy pretty clothes. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's an inevitable consequence, you know. Uh-huh. It, and the other thing is um, our bodies are built with a certain frame and bone structure that is built to manage a certain amount of weight. And it's physics. It's just physics. Yeah. So if you are abusing that balance by carrying too much weight, it's going to have a physical impact on your body. It's yeah. going to. It's not like somebody is punishing you with having you know bad hips or something. It's you've been carrying too much weight on your bones, therefore, you know, and I, and I just think there's so much of life that's like that, that there, there just is a reality. And when we try to make reality in our own image, <clears throat> there's going to be consequences. Yeah. It's not a hammer coming down on you. It's no, you're right. the way it is. Yeah, you, you have to be in harmony with the natural order of
1: things. Otherwise, things are going to fall apart. Yeah. And I think that something like, you know, to go into weight and food and all that stuff. I mean, on a, on a, on a, you know, on a macro scale, you've got a system that is much more interested that is not interested in nourishing its public learned how to add vitamins to food. So you don't have vitamin deficiency and you can take those vitamins, those artificial vitamins and put them in all these horrible corn based products that is the sum total, you know, that's like probably 40% of the food produced is, is, is corn based, you know, genetically modified. And it's like these, these highly profitable products. And so and then you see the health of the population begin to fall apart because of that. And then so they they fix that with more products, pharmaceutical products,
0: and you mm-hmm. see a this, this giant mess. Yeah, I mean, it's a giant market for sure. <laughs> yeah,
1: but when it comes to like our, our actual um, biological relationship with the origin of our, you know, of who we are, with the earth, there's all this stuff in between that now. Mm-hmm. Us going and hunter, you know, being hunter-gatherers, I suppose would, would be the earliest example of that. To now where you've got all these layers of product in between the earth and you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and so there's this up here is just going to have so many side effects that constantly have to be fixed with something else that's going to have a side effect rather than that you know the natural relationship that we once had
0: well but i i can speak as one with authority <laughs> <laughs> even when and and i do generally try to eat as close to the earth as i can Um, You know, I don't, I don't shop the, the inner section of the store. I only shop around the perimeter, which is vegetables you know, right. And the, um, the organic meat and, you know, no hormones. And, you know, I try as much as possible to get natural foods and eat those natural foods. Guess what? Even when you're eating the right stuff, you can still abuse your body by eating too much of the right stuff. <laughs> because you can—I mean, I can always convince myself, well, you know, this little bit won't hurt. A little you know, uh-huh. extra ounce of meat there, you know, whatever. Or I don't need to weigh that because yeah. I know how much this is. And so, I, I just—I'm I, using this as an example, not—not not to just point at my own stuff, but I'm saying no. this kind of no. thing can happen in any part of life <laughs> where where um, it's possible to make excuses about everything. Yeah. Oh, I heard this great line the other day. One of, the, there's a couple of people that I talked to offline that I that we never record because they don't like to record. But he made this statement that um, philosophy is a marketplace for excuses. <laughs> and that was so good That's really funny. because it's true. If you want to live a world of excuses instead of a world of responsibility you just go find the right philosopher or, right. or pick yeah. here and there from different philosophers that will support oh, yeah. your position right So um because I am a sinner you know Lord Jesus Christ son of God have mercy on me a sinner yeah. and and it permeates every single layer and and that again that the word sinner doesn't mean what people think it means yeah. you know um it's that it means you know, is the missing the mark just yeah, missing the yeah. mark and when when we continually miss the mark we're getting closer and closer to the place that the whole society is covered by the flood
1: yeah yeah totally yeah, more and more out of out of harmony. More following the wrong. You know, that's what Jonathan would say, following the wrong, you know, like like follow, like what it's at the top of the hierarchy in that case is not the right top. Mm-hmm. It's
0: not, yeah, the right not, not the right to spirit. Top. Yep. Um, so I don't know if you saw that tweet that Matthew Peugeot put out today about the story about the king with the mirror. No,
1: I haven't looked at
0: Twitter today, but tell me. Um, I'll see if I can copy paste it maybe into the. um, Well, he was saying that there was something he wanted to talk to us about, but he'd been getting so many attacks from other people whenever he approaches Mm -hmm. that topic that he Mm -hmm. feels like maybe there's something more underneath that that he needs to investigate. That's interesting. And so b- before he's going to come out publicly with his thoughts, he wants to spend some more time in reflection and contemplation.
1: This is his King David project, right?
0: Well, I don't know. But in this particular tweet, he made that statement that I just said. And then he posted a story about a king. Uh-huh. Um, an evil king, an inverted king who took all his wealth and turned it into the most highly polished gold mirror that he could create. And then that mirror was used as a way to capture everybody. Right. So there's no way to defeat the king because every time people would come into his presence, they'd see their reflection in the mirror and they'd get so captivated by their reflection in the mirror Or they would be so afraid that the mirror would expose their hidden desires Uh. that they would give in to the king. Uh. And then the question at the end is, if if you reveal your light and then your light is captured by the mirror, if you don't reveal your light, then you are captured by the mirror, then how how can you overcome such a king? (laughs) because <laughs> so, you know it's, it's a it's a riddle it's yeah it, it's a story and i'm sure he's it's probably like a zen koan he's probably yeah. gonna get us thinking me, about what that means
1: let me read that last line because i found it here how can the fallen king be defeated when you withhold your light you cannot use it but when you reveal it the mirror steals it
0: yeah yeah there you go i didn't have it quite right when you withhold your light you cannot use it. So if, you, if your light is covered with a bushel basket, it's useless. Uh-huh. But if you reveal your light and the mirror steals it. There's a couple of verses that come to mind when I think about that. One is that... Um, It talks about how we are like those who look into a mirror and look intently into a mirror and then walk away and forget what it was that we saw. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of levels to that. Um, Another one is um, talking about the eye being the lamp of the body. Then therefore, if the light that is in you is darkness. um, What's the rest of that verse? Anyway, the idea is that if you're if you're you're taking in what you think is light, but if what you're taking in is darkness, really, then you have you have no light within. But the way to have the light within is to be completely open about n- not to have any hidden desires. I think would be the thing, because it's the hidden desires that that um, bankrupt these people, right? So, well, I think
1: you're talking about the lens you see things through, right? I mean, yeah. You see things through a distorted, dark lens, things will seem bad and negative.
0: Well, yeah, I think it's a, I think that's a different verse. Um, let me see if I can find it. <laughs> so, um, it's. Lamp of the body in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus Christ. Okay, Matthew 6, 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Well, I guess that is, that would be the, if you're looking through a darkened yeah. lens, you're going to see darkness but then the the verse i was thinking of is if then the light within you is darkness how great is that darkness um so if the light within you is darkness how great then is that darkness so if all we ever take in is the negative then then there's there's no light to be gotten that's yeah. one aspect of it. But I also think the other thing he's talking about with that story is that we can be controlled if we have hidden desires because we're afraid that those hidden desires will be exposed. It's the same way that blackmailers get by with controlling people, right?
1: Well, what would be the then that's a very good point. What would be how, how, what how, to deal with the fallen king? How would you deal with the blackmailer?
0: Well, I think, I mean, I think the story has to be, and I don't I don't even know how this is possible, but the story has to be that, they, that there's nothing about you. Number one, if you, d- if you went the ascetic route, there would be nothing about you that anybody could blackmail you for. Yeah. But if you already have stuff in your past, like people who have no. social media accounts and there's stuff yeah. lurking yeah. in the past and all of that, you have to come to a place of such courage that yeah. it doesn't matter what is exposed. You're that's not right. going to allow that to control you.
1: That's right. I, think, right. I think that's exactly it. I think that's exactly right. You, you, you know, you are, you are accepting of your sins and failures and mm-hmm. you you stand up to them and you, you know, you, you, like you said, the word is courage. You have the courage to withstand what people have to say about that stuff. Yeah, And be, you know, where you are
0: now is what counts. And even if where we are now is not perfect, we still, I mean, at some point, I think this trust thing has to come into it, this that I'm trusting that God is good and that no matter what comes of this, I have to be, I mean, the modern word is transparent and so maybe yeah. that's
1: well that's truthful. maybe that's yourself. too much of
0: a cliche but but it but there is something about it if you're transparent the mirror can't capture you you're
1: truthful with yourself yes if you understand and even if you know you've done bad things in the past the mirror is going to capture you you're, you know you take responsibility for your past and you resolve and that's what forgiveness is about right right all to be to learn from this and be better in the future you know there's a whole lot of ways of putting this but mm-hmm. but i think that makes sense and it's also um the the whole stance that we're talking about in this little corner
0: that was very important for you at chino was to try to determine the stance Could yeah. you talk about that a little bit
1: well i think the stance is kind of what you're talking about you know it's like having the light it's it's opening your eyes so that the light comes in. It's to be, it's, it's, it's unintended, you know, it's, it's um, unconditional positive regard. It's the vibe that was a chain up. It's like being in the room with people and trusting them and trusting, you know, and the trusting that following your conscience and following God, let's say, will lead you in the right direction versus believing what you're told.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I think that conscience has to be guided by... um, It is perfectly possible for a person to have a conscience that's not guided by truth. Totally, I think that's right. right? So, you, so, you so me, I mean, this can... is where I think the word comes yeah. in because the yeah. because we have the word, and what's what many people often do is they take one little passage of scripture and then they make that their centerpiece but you cannot take any part of the scripture out of the context of the whole. So when you do that without recognizing how it fits into the whole and all the other things that are said that are adjacent to that, Mm -hmm. then you can easily get misled and you can get a conscience that gets twisted. I mean, you were talking about children who are Pushed into doing things because of the fears of the parents, then that creates in the child a conscience that it can be um, overly self-critical and and damaging. Yeah. Right. And so then that's still a conscience, but it's going to lead you in the wrong direction. So the conscience has to be balanced with what the guidance of the word says yeah. and not the word as it has been twisted by some
1: that's right
0: leaders who choose to use the word for their own purposes who have their own hidden desires like the the people who are trapped by the mirror right yeah. but it has to be people who have a desire to understand the whole word and be honest about it and ask honest questions and really understand. You know, to see the word as fundamentally good and trustworthy, and then, yeah, I mean, I, <clears throat> these things are complicated. Yeah. <laughs> it would be but so nice to be able to simplify like, it down, you know, and make it
1: easy to. Uh, but it, but it's also like you said, having the courage to accept what the mirror, what the mirror reflects back to you. Mm-hmm. And to commit to fixing that or not or going forward to not allow that to continue. Mm-hmm. whatever way that is. I mean, if you learn that your parents, you know that, that you've got some old patterns that your parents have put on you, and and if you feel like it's dangerous to let those patterns go, you kind of have to work on, like you said, getting a better framework so where you can let those patterns go so it's really a lot of it's about not allowing you know a lot of it is about letting your ego go like you said humility Mm -hmm. and the stance is one of letting your ego go when it needs to
0: yeah yeah
1: because you're not going to make these changes if they're they're damaging to your ego if you can't stand seeing what's reflected back to you in the mirror then you're not
0: going to ch- make the changes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't know how it is for other people, but for me, <clears throat> I usually sleep pretty well. And even when I wake up in the middle of the night, I can get back to sleep. But when on the nights when I can't get back to sleep, it's because some regret has been brought back into my memory of mm-hmm. something from the past that I've done that I know very well has damaged people. And, uh, and then it's so easy to get trapped in that and feel like I can't fix that mm-hmm. because it happened in mm-hmm. its past. And, um, but then ultimately the only way that I can handle that is to come back to the place of remembering Yeah. I can't fix that. I'm not God, but there is one who is, and he can, and, um, he loves that person even more than I do. Mm -hmm. And he is, um, willing and able not only to restore the years that the locusts have eaten, but to make something beautiful out of that Mm -hmm. for his greater purpose, whatever that is, you know, um, There's this old song we used to sing, something beautiful, something good. All my confusion, he understood. Um I can't remember the end of it. If I had been singing it, I would have remembered the end of it, but I'm no. not going to sing online, so... <laughs> <laughs> but anyway that the song is just something beautiful and really he can make something beautiful out of the broken pieces of our past and uh and that that is what allows me to sleep again you know i think that's right you yeah. you
1: take responsibility but you forgive yourself because he forgives you
0: yeah, I mean, well, what other path is there to get forward, you know? I mean, I, there isn't. if you get trapped in those regrets of the past, then maybe that's what the mirror is. I think
1: so. And, right? and also, yeah, I think that's right. And also um, then that you're also like to dwell on the bad things you did is also giving into your ego. Yes.
0: Yes. It's it's giving say, too, much oh, to your, too much power to your...
1: power to. Um, your, um, and this is really, it's, it's, it's kind of a catch 22. It's giving too much power to your regret. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, there's almost a self-indulgence to regret. that doesn't allow you to go forward and do good in the world Mm -hmm. because you're feeling sorry for yourself that you did this bad thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it reminds me of this <clears throat> one time i had, i was really struggling with something <clears throat> with a i was probably some attitude i was having that i was struggling with and knowing that i was in the wrong place and i called up one of the women in my small group who was more mature than i was and and i was just you know kind of crying and saying i I know I should be better. And she said, Who do you think you are to think that you should be better? <laughs> said, You're just like the rest of us. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Um
1: that's a, that's if I good. always
0: knew the right thing to do, then I would be saying that I'm God. And yeah. and you know, I'm not. Now that's not to excuse having making mistakes or having wrong attitudes or whatever. Um, but sometimes even when I believe I'm doing the absolute right thing. And I'm, I, you know, this is what I feel I'm called to do. And I really believe I'm doing the right thing. And it turns out to have this destructive impact. Yeah. What do I do with that? You know? So, so either I'm God and I have all the answers or I'm not, and I don't, and I know which one I'm going to fall yeah. into. Right. I am <laughs> not right. and I don't, but I know the one who does, and I can trust him so that, all I can do is try to do the right thing. And if I do the wrong thing, then I have to trust that somehow he has a way out of that for me. Yeah. Right. And that you learn from that. Yes. That's, that's, that's the way out for you. Yeah. Well, I didn't mean to use up your therapy. Time <laughs> <laughs> with My own issues, but, but it's nice to get your wisdom on this stuff. And well, to- it's really
1: nice to talk to you and catch up
0: yeah so what do you do you have plans for the summer
1: um do i have plans for summer not really do you're going to hawaii
0: we are going to hawaii as a family uh next week and really looking forward to that um just have relaxing time together you know my husband works long hours days and uh and it's fun to watch him relax although usually it takes him almost the whole week of the vacation to get relaxed do you think he'll stay away from his his work um most of the time he does although he doesn't like to see things fall apart yeah fall through the cracks. And so if he sees things starting to fall apart, he'll jump in a little bit and say, you know, Hey, remember that thing over there. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I mean, I've gotten used to it. The part of living in Silicon Valley is that I think you have to learn to balance your life. So because because they're they're communicating with people from all over the planet all the time. Yeah. If he's talking to India or Europe or China or um, Australia or Israel, it's all different time zones.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: occasionally he'll have to take a call at 5.30 a.m. Occasionally he'll have to take a call at 8.30 at night. That makes sense. So he's found a way to integrate life into his day so that he's not working from 5 30 AM to 8 30 at night, but he's, you know, once in a while, he can take a break and go do right. something, spend time with me, um, integrate life into the work day and then integrate a little bit of work into the life days. Oh uh-huh, yeah. Right. So. Yeah. And, um, uh, and it works for us, and it's it's not been a burden, but it does allow him to excel in what he does, and I like to see that, right? For sure. Yeah, so it's all good.
1: All right, well, have a great time in Hawaii then. I'm glad your daughter's going with you.
0: Yeah, and... uh and so let's I, catch I up hope you. you have a summer in in DC that's not too hot. My <laughs> recollection of DC in the summer is pretty grueling.
1: Yeah, it can be bad right now I'm in Maryland, but I'll be in DC in a couple of weeks. Okay. Yeah, which but the, the weather's the same. So
0: yeah, no, no big plan, so maybe go to the beach at the end of the summer. So what are you doing with your channel these days? Not much. Not because you're done with Persig. Just
1: no, I break. just, um, I'm, I'm just, I put stuff on, I talked about the stance a little bit. I, so I put a few videos on. Mm-hmm. But um, No, I'm not done talking about Persig. He's, he's always part of the mix.
0: I noticed I, you tweeted out something yesterday.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I was reading. I was rereading Persig, which I tend to do.
0: Uh-huh. And
1: then, you know, if it's an electronic book, which it was, I can cut and paste. So I have to
0: I do that. And what you put out there was that 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 everybody is always striving towards quality, yeah. or there's a natural desire to strive yeah. towards quality. Yeah. And so I made this. I made the comment. I said, unless you're one of the powers that be in the silo, <laughs> Do you know what I was talking about.
1: Um, and and um, like the like the people who are sort of in control.
0: Well, no, there's a TV. There's a there's a new series. On Apple oh, plus. No, I didn't.
1: I thought it was There's a wrong. new
0: series on Apple plus called the silo.
1: Oh, OK. No, I didn't know what you're talking about.
0: Absolutely fascinating and <laughs> filled with all sorts of symbolic stuff that mm. is uh, so much under the surface that it's really kind of hard to understand what they're getting at, but endlessly fascinating. <clears throat> and the leaders of the silo really don't want people to excel. Mm hmm. Which, um, when you you look at that, you, you have to think, what on earth could be their motivation for not wanting? I mean, it becomes very obvious when you watch people who are trying to prevent advancements and prevent progress. What could be the motivation for that? You know, if there's a natural desire to strive for quality, then... Then when that natural desire is allowed to flourish in individuals, then the quality rises to the surface and you keep getting more and more quality, right? Isn't that the okay. way it should work? Is that what Persig is talking about?
1: Um, I it's it's like we'd have to do another
0: <laughs> <laughs> in a way. In, in a way. way. <laughs> okay. Well,
1: <that> <laughs>
0: so Anyway, I think that there, again, this whole voluntary thing is what comes into yeah. play. And yeah. so if people are going to move towards quality, there needs to be a, a voluntary ability to do that.
1: Yeah, I think that's right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So well, I won't steal your thunder. Then you can talk about that on your channel. But
1: <laughs> well, I have to think about it a little. Yeah, bit.
0: but I am recommending that, that if anybody gets a chance to watch the silo on Apple Plus, and I'm not getting a cut from Apple on this, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. just I watch it with my daughter. We watch it um, online together, even though oh, she's that's, in that's another really city. It. Yeah, and so we can talk to each other while it's going on, and it's like what. He did what? What was he doing? Why? <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah, it's really good. It's about it's about some dystopian future where the 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 only supposedly the only 10,000 people left on earth are living in this silo that's down underground. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh it's just so endlessly fascinating. Well, anyway, I've talked enough. It was good seeing you, Savilla. Great Uh to see. Let's
1: do it again next next month.
0: Yes. Okay. That sounds really good. July. Yep. Yeah, my seventy-fifth birthday is coming up next month. Hard to believe. I have to think about some kind of celebration for that. (laughs) I'll tell you this: since I joined this little corner, I feel twenty years younger. So. Well,
1: you look twenty years younger,
0: and you act twenty years younger
1: in a good way. So.
0: So do you. (laughs)
1: have a great day all right karen you take care bye-bye